All right, welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week, joined by Mr. Mark Cantrell of the Legends and Champions Report. How are you doing today, Mark? Bond. Mr. Bond. I'm fine, thank you. Mr. That's, how, that's, how this, that's how the media is always said to Mr. Bond. <laughs> James Bond, isn't it? That's what I mean. Mr. Bond. Uh, yeah, well, unfortunately, I'm not quite as famous as James, you know. Uh, I wish I had my own series of movies. That'd be pretty cool. Um, today is uh, July the 15th. No, it's July the 16th, 2015. And uh, as we speak, you know, there's a lot of pool going on. So uh, I guess we'll just kick it off and, and, and uh, mention that uh, the Hustlers season finale is going to be uh, tomorrow evening. Our, uh, Mark, have you been keeping up with the show? Yeah, I've recorded all of them. I haven't deleted them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, like I said before, I mean, I'm surprisingly uh, enjoying them. Yeah. And they've been um, you know, very serendipitous. <laughs> That's a real word, by the way. <laughs> That's a fifty cent word. There you go. Uh, but no, it's good. I, I enjoy it. I look, I look forward to to watching it. You know, and you know, we got these uh, somehow rumors going around that there's there's no more season. There's not going to be a season two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't know if we know that, that that's actually correct. No, you're right. That you're right. I um there there's a post up. You know, ABR is responsible for it. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. We were told uh, about this post on Reddit. So um, I guess we didn't look into it, but that's the rumor. So I'm not saying that it is or it isn't. I guess we're just going to have to leave it at that until we get some uh, some uh, confirmation one way or the other. But uh, we'll at least try to go back and pull the post for you guys to see where it came from just so that you know that we weren't <laughs> – we didn't make it up out of the blue, but uh, I guess uh, we should yeah, have I, done some due diligence there or something. Yeah, we, we probably should have uh, gone and checked and made sure on the Facebook page, I believe on the Reddit thing it says confirmed by cast members' Facebook pages. Yeah, yeah. And I know that uh, you went back and looked and you don't see anything uh, that says that. Yeah, but... Um, I'm not. I spoke to yeah. Mike and Trust me put a, 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 a post on AZ Billions on that thread saying that he doesn't know anything about this. Uh, apparently, nobody knows. Nobody knows yet. He's still. Uh, it hasn't been cancelled, but it hasn't been re upped either. So, right. um, I, I guess there's at some point they get the word from producers or the production company saying, yeah, we're not going to be doing another one, or are you guys ready to sign for another season? Yeah, yeah. Here. That's what we don't uh, know that, yeah. So nobody has that. They, they, the cast members don't appear to have it, or at least one of them that I know doesn't have it. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully he gets another shot, hopefully he gets another season. It seems, based on the numbers, I think somebody popped the night, I can't remember who popped, not being Mike Frost, um, the numbers that it was gaining in popularity mm -hmm. and getting more viewers, you know, each each week. And I think it's a you know a three hundred and something thousand viewers. 
But that's on a Friday night, and you've got to remember, Friday night's a tough action for yeah for, for TV, and, and then maybe especially for people who would want to watch it. Um, maybe they're out playing pool. Uh, yeah. They... Um, People go out. They go on dates on Friday night, ten o'clock in New York when it comes on. Uh, I think seven o'clock uh, uh, my time in Arizona when it comes on. And a lot of people just Friday night, happy hour, doing yeah. something else. That's right. So to get those, get those kind of numbers, I I don't think it's terrible. I think it's uh, yeah. I think it beat uh, beat out that Barmageddon show. Yeah. yeah. But then again, what do I know? I don't know how to calculate. The, how they calculate the numbers from Nielsen's. Sure. Uh, I know I know a certain amount because at one point I was a Nielsen home and I could probably have done the show a hell of a lot good <laughs> if I'd known. <laughs> but I know the things that they do do, um, the Nielsen people, that is, uh, they, they open up your cable box and they put something in there so I think it tracks what you actually, you, that you, what you record as well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, but I couldn't. I couldn't swear to that. I think it tracks what you record. Yeah. Um, but it didn't work out with me and Nielsen. They were too demanding. <laughs> you have to, yeah. Listen, do you know how that works? Just to go off track a minute. You, there's a, you get a different remote control, and every time, and each he's got a button for each member of your family, and every time somebody comes to watch, sit down and watch TV. They have to push this button and check in, so it's showing who's watching. Now the whole family's watching, or just one person. Wow. Then, like every 50, every fifteen minutes, it starts beeping and flashing stuff on the screen. Where you you've got to press this button to show that you're still watching it. Wow, that's crazy. And sometimes your computer, so you know, it's if you're watching uh, shows on the computer and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty pretty invasive, really. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I kept getting into trouble with them, uh, and eventually, I think they fired me. Or I fired back one of the two. <laughs> but it was I had my I, I like my TV on at night when I sleep, and so I had it on a channel. But I was never pressing the button. I'm checked in. Yeah, yeah. they're like, "Well, you 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 say you're watching it, but you're not pressing the button." Like, I'm asleep. I'm not watching it. Right. Different background noise. Oh yeah. So anyway, there you go. That's my uh, little thing on. Uh, Nielsen. <laughs> on uh, Nielsen spying on you there. Nielsen, Nielsen <laughs> uh, but I think they were doing okay. That's, I guess that's all I, I can say. I'm rambling on it now. Uh, you know what? That's fine. I, I hope they get renewed too. Uh, so... I guess we'll just have to see if this, uh, how this rumor came about, and if there's any truth behind it. Uh, you know, well, uh, the information will come about, so we'll find out soon enough. I mean, it's uh, it, t- the last show's tomorrow, so we're going to find out pretty quick, anyway. But anyway, what else yeah, is well, going on? They don't have seasons. Every one doesn't end, and another one starts right away. So you, we're probably looking at you know, at least six months out before yeah. another one would start, anyway. Sure, so. sure, sure. Well, yeah. Hopefully we'll find out uh, what's the what's the dang deal, and what else is going on as we speak. There's the fourteen uh, one world fourteen one uh, championship, I guess for lack of a better term, competition tournament, what have you. It's going on at Steinway, and uh, you know so far so good. Um, I, I I'm a fan of fourteen one myself, so I guess I'm glad that the event's taking place. 
Um, there has been a little bit of controversy uh, <laughs> surrounding it with the, uh, you know, Mike Deshane not uh, participating in it and uh, the hints and allegations. Have you heard anything about that, Mike or Mark? Yeah. Um, well, I've, I think I've heard what everybody else has heard um, of what allegedly happens. And, you know, we know there's always uh, three sides to each story. Right, right. But, you know, I don't... You know, I'm not in... Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not in Mike Deshane's corner for... Uh, you know, I don't mind the guy, don't get me wrong. I'm not... I'm not but we don't barbecue together or anything like that. But um, I, I'm, I'm not sure that he would travel there to not play. Unless something was really wrong, right? Um, right. And, and based on what allegedly happened, it looks very suspicious. Uh, I know Charlie Williams or Dragon Promotions have been on and given their explanation of what happened, but it was like uh, when somebody called it a hit and run, uh, and that's. Kind of, it's kind of tough to go on there and say this is my thing, and that's how I'm answering any more questions. Yeah, um, I think that was a little bit on the weak side as far as uh, Charlie and Dragon Promotions go, uh, because there was holes in the story, and people brought up these holes that were in the story. Right, right. and it'd be nice to get some clarity to it. And it's not because of being uh, wanting to be a conspiracy theorist or being nosy or anything else. I think that, you know, if this is uh, the the biggest and best straight pool tournament right. uh, probably in the world, it yeah. has to, and straight pool has a certain amount, I'm not saying other games don't, in, but it's got a certain amount of class decorum and integrity yeah. to the game. Mainly because that's what, you know, the... Uh, old timers, you know, the Joe Balls and people like that, what they were playing. Mm-hmm. And they were wearing bow ties and suits. And, and even now, this uh, 14 1 in Stanway, they're wearing vests. Well, like you so said, there is because it, it, it's a world championship. It doesn't matter what game it is, it's supposed to be the world championship. So I, I don't know, but is that is it? There's controversy over that too. Is it a world championship? Uh, right. World tournament? It's not. It's not sanctioned by the WPA. No. Maybe I don't know why. There's probably a good reason for it. Uh, but maybe the amount of prize money they just have so much added money or something like that. Right. Uh, or there's not enough other straight pool tournaments to make it uh, classified as a world. But it's, it is definitely the biggest tournament. But it's, it's gonna it's losing some integrity right now, but just the mere fact that the the talk about the seedings being changed, how do they do the draw? You know, how do they come up with these groups in the first place? Right. right. What's the formula? I think Frank Kremi brought that up. Yeah. Uh, that'd be interesting to know because if it's seriously, if it's a one man show, who's who's doing the brackets? Meaning, obviously, Charlie. And nobody else is a part of it. And he's the promoter, he's the tournament director. And allegedly, from what uh, Mike Duchesne said, there's um, other players that Charlie Williamson's backed. 
right. in the tournament. Right. Now, that's definite, that is definitely a conflict of interest. I don't care how you want to explain it. Right. You can't explain it to me. If you're the tournament director and promoter, you can't be putting players into tournaments. Well, well, no, you can put them in, Mark. That's the thing. This is now. This is something that people don't understand. There, not you might understand this. I'm just saying that that what it is not unusual for players to approach a promoter or a tournament director to have their bring them into the tournament to cover their expenses. That happens all the time. The difference in this scenario is. I'm gonna. Charlie says to Mike, and now if this, if it really went down like this, Charlie tells Mike, "I'll put you in the tournament for a part of your winnings." That's the difference. The, so, okay, you're right. You you're know right. what I'm saying. I take, I take Mike what I said. You're right. That is the difference. Because um, you know what's his name? I've I've talked to Greg Sullivan. You know Derby City. Lots of times where he's like, "Yeah, so and so wants to put me wants me to put him in and put him in." And it is in, to the promoter's best interest sometimes to bring in some of these top players. They want a, a better field. They want a more prestigious event. Like I said, it happens all the time. The difference is, though, the, these promo, other promoters are not putting someone in for exchange of part of your prize money, number one. And number two, that same promoter is not going to create the groups that set up this round robin with the Right. With the potential of manipulating those groups to benefit one or other players that they might have put in it in the first place. So, I, I like you, I don't know how else to to say it other than that's a conflict of interest. You know, straight well, up. The mere appearance, right. The, the appearance of impropriety. Right. Is you know, I I dealt with it myself on you know in, within the the business. Whether it's true or not, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know what Charlie Williams does or Dragon Promotions do when they do the drawing. Right. As Frank Irving was asking, how do they do the drawing? How do they do the prize fund? Uh, and, and that kind of thing. I have no idea. He could be in the back room doing it straight as an arrow, and that's that. But And we'd never know, right? And, and, and we don't know. He, he's very well maybe doing it all above board. But the appearance of impropriety is enough to start the flames going right and and then that's always to it yeah no you're right it, it doesn't matter like you said even if everything's on the up and up it doesn't look that way given the accusations that have been made and given the responses that have been given so i'm not here to to crucify anybody i i just like i posted on az the other day i just would like to know the truth and it's unfortunate though at this point that both Mike and Charlie Williams, it's to their benefit just to just leave it alone. So, you know, I don't know if we'll ever find out what really went on. So, I, you know, that's unfortunate, and it's also unfortunate to to taint the contest uh, with that kind that's of stuff. The thing. I, I, don't, I don't want it to look at the event, which, again, is has, one, has an air of elegance and class to it that maybe nine ball doesn't. You know, just by reputation alone. Right. You know, whether sure. it's cool players or It's not been cool a legitimate players. game, right, exactly. It's been I, a legitimate uh, game. Wearing vests and tuxedos and that kind of thing. I, I just don't want to see the, uh, I, as you said, tarnished, the image of it tarnished because there's, you know, a couple of things that are questionable yeah. that are going on here. 
and uh, and yeah, unfortunately, or fortunately, he should, maybe he should be left alone. Maybe we shouldn't be talking about it uh, and stirring up uh, yeah. the hornet's nest again. But on the other hand, if, if something's going down, somebody needs to know about it. Well, that's that's the, un- that's the unfortunate part about it. Is you're right. If if the accusations that are being made, if that is does turn out to be true, you know, I, the players need to know this. The supporters need to know this. The patrons, the venue, Steinway needs to know if they're hosting something that's that's not, you know, on the level, because it makes everybody involved look bad. You know, God bless the players because they don't have much of a choice, and I, I hate to say it, but. I'm glad that the event is held in the first place because there's not any other, you know, major 14-1 competitions. So on the one hand, they're stuck. It's like, thank you, Charlie Williams, for holding the event. But come on, you know, like I think this all could have been avoided by, you know, people being a little bit smarter about what they're doing. So I don't know. I'm just going to leave it at that. And, and you know, we'll just kind of see, let the chips fall where they may. And, uh nah. And we'll talk about well, something to, else. <laughs> let, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. He said, "No, he's still a little bit on that." Um, what? Because part of the problem that happened here was some the seed in that yeah. Mike got. He was playing at number three and ended up going to fifteen, something like that. Yeah. What? What? Do you, what's your opinion on seeding? I because I'm. Mm. I'm uh, I'm mixed. I can see. I understand. I think I understand why seeding goes on. But yeah. I also, uh, and, and think for the promoter and things like that, it's maybe a good thing. Um, and it's good for some of the players. But I, I, don't, I don't know if it's really something that I agree with. What, what do you think? I, you know, that's a really hard call. Because like you said, I can see where there might be benefits to it. Uh, specifically when it comes to um, the video production, for example. You know, you mentioned to me earlier about uh, the potential benefits of the pay-per-view audience, of getting to see, uh, you know, matches uh, based on the seating matchups. Here's the problem I have with it, I guess, if I was going to nitpick about it. You know, why can't it just be Everybody has the opportunity to, opportunity to play everybody. I understand logistically the time it takes to do that and everything else. But why do you want to make these groups and 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 set it? Uh, you know what? <laughs> You're asking me too big of a question to answer. It would take me an hour to explain this. It really would. There's because there's more than one way to look at it you know on the one hand uh you know why would you place all of the low tier players against each other only and all the high tier players against themselves or why would you um mix them it all up where it's just random the bottom line is what's fair and i don't think that seating at the end of the day i don't think it's fair that's my only you know, druthers with the whole thing is if you're you're dividing the group of players up as a uh, let's just say I'm a lower tier player. You put me in a group where I'm immediately facing everybody 
at a higher level above me. So my chances are really bad that I'm going to advance. If I'm a top player and I get in a group and I'm the top guy in that in that group, my chances are that I'm going to uh, to win and to uh, move on to the next group. So for for the top guys, groups are great, seating's great because you've got you know one or two pros in a group of everybody else that's not. Their chances of, of moving on are really good. The guys in that same group that are on the lower tier. Their chances of moving on are not that great because they're automatically going to be facing some everybody else in that group is is at a higher level than them. So their chances are they're going to get knocked out in the first round, whereas the pro is going to succeed through the first round. That doesn't seem balanced. That doesn't seem like a fair way to do it. Now, again, I'm not a promoter and I have not dealt with this for 40 years. So I I could be just completely off base on it. There may be a, a better way to do it. I just don't know what it is. This doesn't seem fair to me. What do you think? Right. I, I, I'm, oh, I, again, I see a, a difficult question. I see the advantage for a promoter who has a pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, saying, okay, let's not have three groups in which if it's the draw is done, and depending on how the draw is done, everything else, and there's no seeding, and you can potentially have three groups filled with, uh, I don't know, if there's five people in each group, 15 of the top players that are all going to be battling out and knocking each other out, okay? First mm-hmm. and second round, maybe. Right. And you've got, you've got these other groups, that are the three groups over here, the, the guys who just live down the street who love straight pool want to come in and get a chance to play with professionals and they get to, you know, they're in the semifinals, quarterfinals, yeah. possibly, you know, as a result of that. And as for a pay-per-view purchaser, which do I rather want to see? Do I want to see Dowd Appleton play Earl Strickland or do I want to stay, see Dowd Appleton play the window cleaner? Yeah, the lowest, down the road who right. just got lucky because right. he had a good day and he beat his buddy. Right. Um, right. I'm not saying everybody who's in this tournament is a hack. Obviously, there's a lot of good players there. Um, no, but, but there's an advantage yes. to the pay per view. Maybe somebody will buy that day that it's Darren and Earl rather than Darren and some guy nobody's ever heard of who's a you know mediocre player. Maybe sure. So I, I understand that. I understand there's a it's maybe a, a show of uh, respect to the pro players who this is how they feed their families mm-hmm. and that they uh, travel all over the country to do this. They don't want to go to a tournament where they could, they're just going to be in uh, this group and potentially with the toughest group available. Uh, you know, they want to, you know, try and make money and stay on the tour. Right. Right. Having said that, I don't, I don't like feeding. I, I, I can see where, where the potential is for it to be used, but I, I think whether you're uh, the window cleaner or you're Mika Imminent, you go into a tournament, you're paying the entry fee because you think you can win, or you just want to play in it. Mm-hmm. You just want to play in that tournament, and, and, and you're willing to spend three, four hundred, five hundred bucks to play in it, knowing that you're, you don't have a single prayer of winning, that, that's dead money, that's... that's Fine. Yeah, you get your experience out of it. You got to play Boston Holman. Good for you. 
if you're a pro and you're going, oh, we shouldn't have a seat in, and I know a lot of these guys are going to disagree with me, uh, but I think, hey, you're a professional player. You might draw the window cleaner. You might throw down an apple. You right. might draw Earl Johnny. Right. So you, you need to be going into that tournament that it doesn't matter. You can't, you know, you can't just get, you know, oh, I, I'm, I'm going to play, but I want the first two rounds to be easy. Right. So you got to play everywhere. you got to play who you get. Yeah. You might get the window cleaner, and then you might get the gem out, and then you might get me and you. Yeah, exactly. Well, you mean you probably won't make it that far, but <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You've got a chance to go and play. I said just go and play. If, you, if you're dead money and you're an average player and you still want to put your money in, put your money in. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. I, you know, I like I said, I got mixed feelings about it, and I and I don't know if there is a if there's a better way overall to hold such a, an event. Now, you know, I, I'm just going to leave it at that. How's that? Um, let's give um, let's give uh, uh, CSI a couple minutes of talk time before we got to go. Um, next week is their uh, U.S. Open. Eight ball and ten ball. Is that correct? I believe so. Yep. And, and the BCA Nationals. That's right. The, that's right. They got two sets of league nationals going on and the uh, eight ball and the ten ball also. As a matter of fact, a little bit later on in the show, uh, Mike Howerton's going to be talking to, I believe, Ozzy uh, to give us a little bit more information about that. So uh, that'll be good. I mean, that's some good pool that's going to be going on there too. And there got some good. There got some cha- a couple of challenge matches as well. Yeah, going yeah, yeah. It's like Shane uh, as well. Shane versus DeShane, Is that right? No. I think maybe. I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> it might be Corey. It might be Corey Duell. Um, but I, I know I've seen it. There's been a couple of them that have uh, come up. So uh, yeah, that's that's good. The point is, you know, there's the argument. Uh, about bar tables still uh, there. Um, I, I don't know why I think because those challenge matches as well are going to be on bar tables. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I've done a, a bar, I did a bar table event with um, Shane Van Boning and Earl Strickland because it played. It was called the Decider. I don't know if you remember. It was it'd been played on ten uh, foot tables. They played on nine foot tables, but they had played on a bar table, and so they were split between the two. Mm-hmm. And so that that was the reason for doing it on a bar table, right? Right. Because uh, uh, I could have got a big table in there. It was just a back to hey, that's all three things. But I know the pool purists don't like the uh, bar table. You know, a lot of times. Yeah. Yep. 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 Well, it's it, it, just to, for the record, it's called the Tiger Challenge. That's the that's the uh, the challenge match that we're talking about. It's going to be on the twenty third um, during the BCA and the USA National League Championships, and it is Shane versus DeShane. Van Boning versus okay. DeShane on the twenty third, and they're going to pay per view that. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so um, you guys will be able to watch that if you want to. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be about covering it for the headlines uh, for this week. Um, I, time is up for for now. And uh, you guys stick around for the one-minute pull instructor. 
and we'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Scott Lee. And Randy G. And welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. So last week, Scott, we talked about Tournament directors, directors yeah. and, and how well they actually, they're all good to me. I, I like them. I pay them. Yeah. Um, what's a green fee, Scott? What, what, is that part of the tournament or is that? Well, a, it, you know, it depends. And most, this is just my perception, but most of the time, if there's a greens fee, it means that you don't put quarters in the table. That's part of it. I think green fees are broken down into two different things. That's right. It's the other option of putting quarters in a table or paying room table time. There you go. Right. We just charge up front a, a straight fee, mm -hmm. and whether yeah. the room owner once, gets it or... Once again, <clears throat> pool players expect the room owner to just provide free table time when that's their business. Right. And that's certainly not fair. Well, if they're going to run a tournament, they uh, they put it in, you know, that's what a green fee is all about. Well, yeah, heck yeah. they got to make <clears throat> money somehow or there, or there won't be a pool room. So... What are what do you think about green fees? Then uh, you'd rather pay a green fee than than slug quarters all day long. Yeah, me too. All right. I can tell you, I've been at national tournaments and and seen lines of fifty people waiting to put their dollar bills and five dollar bills in the the uh, coin changer. Well, that's in Vegas, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the only machine they're going to break even on. <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, green fees is the way to go, and I think that more and more. Uh, tournament directors are uh, utilizing that concept and getting rid of the open. Uh, well, it gives table. it gives the open table play. Then yeah. anybody, you pay your green fee, you find an open table, it's open for you. Yeah, and most of the national tournaments are doing that now, where you pay a set amount and the tables are open for the whole, the whole time. Tournament, right? Uh, mini tournaments and everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I like I like it. I think pools really evolving good. People ask me all the time. Are we on a down slump or, or where are we at in pooling? I just, I think we're moving right along. Well, we certainly are growing uh, because there's more and more pool leagues. You've got eight or ten of them out there now. There's more and more players. Now some people play in multiple leagues, certainly. But uh, uh, th there is such a huge opportunity to, to play league no matter where you live that if you really want to do it, you can find one out there. Well, you know, I play in a league that collects green fees. Do you? All sure. right. And, and I don't hear any bitching. No. So it's, a, you know, it's their way of keeping new felt on the table, keeping waitresses paid. Um, everybody's got to make a penny. Sure. Or a dollar, anyway. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. All right, so we're both in favor of green fees? We yeah, certainly Well are. done, anyway, yes. Yep, yep. All right. Well, that's uh, the one-minute pool instructor tip for today. I'm Scott Lee. And I'm Randy G. And we'll see you on American Billiard Radio next week. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. I'm Mike Howerton with AZ Billiards. I'm joined this week by a man who's, I can't even imagine dealing with his schedule right about now, Ozzy Reynolds with Q Sports International. Ozzy, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. You've got to be, uh, you've got to be super busy right now. Yeah, it's, uh, I was talking to a couple of my guys this morning. It really snuck up on us, uh, quite honestly, but this is the big, the big deal. Jerry was just uh, reminding me the other day how quickly it is that he takes off uh, to head out to Vegas. You guys have 
Well, you guys have all kinds of things coming up, but the the big one is the the BCA Pool League Nationals. That kicks off on the 22nd? Uh, That's correct. Now, you've got the BCA Nationals, and that's Scotch Doubles, uh, men's and women's singles, uh, open and ladies teams. Is that everything, or or, or what else is going on amateur-wise? Oh, no, there's a, well, you, you kind of got it. I mean, we have scotch doubles, singles, and team events, but lots of divisions in each. Uh, and we've got nine ball singles and teams. We've got eight ball singles and teams, uh, men's and women's, different skill levels, such as leisure, open, advanced, master, grandmaster. We've got, uh, boy, I'm starting to lose count, but somewhere around 40 divisions that will be held between July 22nd and August 1st. Now, along with the BCA Pool League Nationals, you also have the USA Pool League Nationals. Um, how's the How's the USA Pool League coming along? USA Pool League is doing well. Uh, it's a much different structure than the BCA Pool League, um, but it's we're experiencing very good growth. Interestingly enough, the largest growth seems to be in the Northeast uh, around the Massachusetts Boston area. Uh, tremendous growth up there. Uh, but we're up again this year. Our, our membership is up in the USA Pool League. Our uh, participation in the USA Pool League National Championships is up. So the future is looking bright for the USA Pool League. Any idea why you would see that kind of participation in that area? Yeah, uh, a terrific league manager. Well, yeah, that'll do it. That will do it. Yeah, he's a terri- like I said, a terrific league manager. Um, very educated, very well versed in marketing, um, and he's doing a lot of good things for his league. And he's also doing some good things for us at the national level as well. Now, with with both of these, you know, the BCA Nationals and the USA Nationals. Um, now you're at the Rio in Vegas. Uh, how many tables do you guys set up? Uh, we're going to have 318 tables this year. You know, it dawned on me just today when I was reading about um, the World Series of Poker and what they were down to. I think they they were trying to play down to nine last night, or maybe they did play down to nine last night. You guys are going to have more time this year than you did last year, aren't you? Yeah, our, our contract uh, every year backs right up to the World Series of Poker. And the thing that has caused us all to lose the most sleep is the fact that the World Series of Poker is not even done when we start to move in. Uh, And the same, pretty much the same crews have to tear down their setup and set up ours. Uh, So it's always a real, real kind of hairy few days as we're setting up. This year is a little different. There's actually a few days in between our events. Uh, so this is sort of like the Cadillac year. <laughs> Next year, we're back to business as usual. We're back to right up against the World Series of Poker. So we're going to enjoy this year's setup, and then we'll be right back to uh, a little more stress next year. And how long does it take the crew to set up 300-plus tables? We'll start tomorrow morning. I actually move into the Rio tomorrow, and we'll get done literally Tuesday night. Now, the BCA Pool Leagues, you know, that's the main event. That's the one that's been going strong for all these years. Uh, 
What kind of turnout do you expect for that across the board? Oh boy, I haven't. I actually haven't looked at the numbers in the last week or so, but our participation is uh, up modestly, but it's up over last year, and we're well over five thousand people. And the numbers took a little bit of a dip last year when you moved to the Rio, right? Well, last year was the second year at the Rio, um, and yes, it it did take a little. It took a little bit of a dip over the previous year, and we sort of expected it. Uh, the first year at the Rio, you would expect the participation to be maybe the same or even a little higher than the year before at the old venue, just for curiosity's sake, right? They want to check out the new venue. And the second year, we anticipated a dip, uh, right? The novelty has worn off. They've seen it. They've experienced it. Uh, and some people just won't return for a variety of reasons. And this year, we're starting to see what we kind of expected is that small uptick in the third year and that's exactly what we're seeing and what kind of response have you gotten from the players uh who've been to the rio you know it's mixed um about half of the people that i run into at the rio love it they say it's the the best place they've ever been to a national tournament it's very nice it's clean a lot of things to do uh and then some people didn't like the fact early on that the food prices were a little higher than maybe they experienced at some other place. Um, but it's it's interesting what happened. What has happened? We have a multi-year deal, and our room rates are largely fixed. The food prices are largely fixed. So what they thought was more expensive than other venues two years ago uh, now is the best deal in town. <laughs> Yeah, for example, I mean, look around Vegas and try to get a $79 a night room. They really don't exist anymore unless you're some kind of casino guest or you're getting it comp because you're some VIP somewhere. But if you're just getting a room, $79 is very difficult to find in this town now, particularly since the Riviera's closed. Yeah, that was, you know, it, it's been a couple of years since I had been to the Riv, but you know, just reading the story about them shutting it down, that was kind of, you know, it brought back memories, I'm sure, for a lot of uh, pool players. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of history there. Um, but, you know, be before, during our event planning, we compare our room rates with other national championships, and we compare our food prices with what we see at other national championships. And this year, you know, there's a perception that the Rio is expensive, but it's really not true when you compare our rooms are cheaper. Our food prices are cheaper. Uh, the rooms are better, by the way, too. They're all suites. They're not just little uh, studio rooms like you see in a lot of hotels. So what may have started out as being a little little pricier than others now really is the best deal in town. Well, it sounds good. Uh, I know a lot of the local players here in Arizona are, are you know, really looking forward to, to getting out there and playing. I just wish my team would would get their entry fees in. Um, <laughs> besides the amateur events now, you've got two challenge matches and two pro events. Uh, let's talk about the challenge matches. The Kamui Challenge on the 22nd, the first day of the event. That's Jason Shaw and Corey Duell. That's correct. They're playing eight ball? Eight ball on a seven-foot diamond table, race to 21. That should be very, very interesting. 
what kind of rules are in place as far as the brake? Alternate brake. Um, regular BCA pool league rules. Alternate the uh, solids and stripes around the perimeter. You're not going to let Corey get away with that goofy brake that he put together? And 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 we're gonna we're not gonna have any of those shenanigans. Okay, and then a day later, the Tiger Challenge, which is Shane Van Boning and Mike DeShane, is that ten ball? That is ten ball, race to twenty-one. Again on a bar box? Uh, no, on a seven-foot diamond. I, I was just going to correct myself <laughs> on a seven-foot diamond smart table. Boy, Greg is cringing when he hears me say that. Don't worry, it's just part of the re-education process, Mike. Yeah, I'm I'm slow at that. Um, so, Jason, Corey, Shane, Mike, how do you guys decide who who you want to have for these matches? You know, that's a good question. Um, obviously, we have sponsors for these challenge matches. This year, it's Kamui and Tiger. They were also sponsors of challenge matches last year, and uh, of course, they have some input. Um, we always have to take that into consideration, but but that's not all. We kind of we kind of dip our toe in the water and see what the climate is like at the time. Um, this, for example, Shane Van Boning, people seem to always want to see him play. Uh, he does very well uh, when he's on the stream. Our num- we see our a spike in our numbers every time, so that tells us that people want to see Shane Van Boning. So when we can, we want to match him up with someone. And this year we were thinking about, well, who do we match Shane up with? And uh, Mike DeShane is considered by many to be the second best player in this country. Interestingly enough, I don't know that many people have ever seen Mike play on a seven-foot table. So we thought it would be very, very interesting to see these two match up on a seven-foot table playing rotation. Yeah, now that you mention it, I I don't ever recall seeing him on a, I won't say it, on a, on a diamond seven-foot smart table. <laughs> Did you guys get any kind of flack from the pros uh, for running everything on the seven-foot tables this year? Zero. That's interesting. No, the flack has come from a handful of people on the AZ Billiards forums. <laughs> Imagine it, it Really, I mean, it really is, and I don't mean to undermine it. I mean, I, I, I understand where they come from, um, and to some extent I agree with them. I don't agree with everything they said, but but from the pros, really nothing. I mean, I don't know what they say privately, but to us, there has been zero flack, and they're just glad to have a couple good tournaments with uh, with really good prize funds that they can participate in. Um, now, last year you had you had the the invitational events uh, for the pros, and you had an invitational event, and then you had the challenge matches, and then you had another invitational event. You mixed things up a little bit this year. Was there a reason for that? There was a very good reason for that. Uh, Last year, as you said, we had the two invitationals, and we had two days in between the invitationals, and we did a couple challenge matches in there. Uh, But last year, actually every year prior to this year, we had never streamed any amateur events. It had always been the open slash pro events. That's all we streamed. Uh, We've made a decision that we want to put a greater emphasis on our amateurs. Uh, We've streamed a couple of our BCA Pool League, USA Pool League events this year, Uh, the first in Wisconsin, and then we just did another one in Tucson, Arizona. 
And this year we want to do some some free streaming of the BCA Pool League and USA Pool League National Championship matches. Those two days in between the U.S. Opens this year are when a lot of the finals will occur for the amateur matches. And we don't want to miss that. We want to get those in the arena. So what we did is we moved the two challenge matches in front of the U.S. Open 10 ball rather than between the two. And as far as streaming plans, what are your plans for streaming this year? Well, we're going to, we're going to be streaming the entire time uh, from start to finish. And in fact, I'm pulling up the complete schedule now. If you go to playcsipool.com, uh, scroll over the menus across the top, go to CSI Media and Live Streaming. It's got the complete schedule. July 22nd and 23rd, the first two days, we're going to be free streaming the BCA Pool League and USA Pool League events, uh, as well as the two challenge matches in the afternoon. And then, of course, the 24th through the 26th, we'll be uh, streaming the U.S. Open 10 ball. That's pay-per-view. As I said just a few minutes ago, the 27th and 28th, the two days in between, will be free streams of the amateur events. 29 through 31 will be U.S. Open 8 ball. And then the final day is August 1st. That'll be a free stream of the BCA Pool League team finals. And that'll be free right through our website. Okay. And as far as pay-per-view on the pro events, what's the, the cost on that? Good question. Uh, if you go to playcsipool.com, it's right there. There are multiple packages you could select. You can buy just the challenge matches. You can buy just the U.S. Open 10 ball, just the U.S. Open 8 ball. You can buy individual days. But the best deal out there is what we call the total access package. That's everything. It's the two challenge matches, all three days of the U.S. Open 10 ball, all three days of the U.S. Open 8 ball. By the way, every night after these pay-per-view streams, it'll be looped. So if you miss any of the action, you can hopefully catch it on the re-loop. And uh, all of that, all of that, last year that was around $99, if I can remember correctly. This year, $59.99. That's not bad. That's terrific. And on top of that, everybody that buys that total access package will be entered into a drawing for a free $25 Kamui tip voucher. And we're going to pick 50 winners. So you spend 60 bucks, you have a real good chance of getting a $25 voucher back from that. And you just can't beat it for that amount of streaming. Now, for the, for the fans who are in Vegas um, and who want to come down and watch this happen in person, uh, what kind of options do they have? They have some very good options. Um, we do have a limited number of VIP seats around the arena. And we learned a lesson from last year. Last year we had the live stream arena, and we had the VIP seats around the arena, but they were on the floor. And the lesson we learned is people didn't get the best view. So what we're doing this year, and by the way, it's the Predator Arena, uh, our primary sponsor for the events. All the VIP seats will be on risers around the Predator Arena, so they're going to have a much better view this year. And we've also lowered the prices of those VIP seats. Right now, we have nine gold seats left and 22 silver seats left. 
There's not many. And when you buy a VIP seat, that gives you the right to that seat for all 11 days. And if you want to transfer it to somebody else because you're not staying the whole time, or maybe you want your wife to sit there because you have a match going on or something of that nature, it's real easy. You just transfer it to somebody else. You, basically, you give them your badge that says the seat number 11, for example, and they can sit there. Okay, and then there's there's general admission seating for any of the players, you know, the amateur players who want to come out and watch? Yeah, so the VIP seats will be on risers around the Predator Arena, and then off to either side we will have bleacher seating. That's no cost. It's free to anyone that has entered our events. If you're not entered in the event, all we ask is that you pay a $35 green fee at the registration desk. That will give you the right to watch anything you want there for free and also play on any open pool table for the entire 11 days. Is that something that you see a lot of, um, you know, people coming in not playing in the event? I mean, maybe they're just coming down and wanting to gamble or, or that sort of thing um, and, and jumping on the tables? We saw more of that last year than I would have ever guessed. It, it is kind of surprising. Um, not really. This tournament is not like a lot of other national championships. We have almost 50 exhibitors in the room. We've got pro events, challenge matches, all kinds of high-level amateur matches, lots of things to do in the Rio, and it's Vegas. It's a show. It's almost like an expo, so to speak. And what we found last year, and it surprised me at first, but it does make sense, is a lot of people just come for the experience and the show and to visit the vendors and to maybe buy a queue and things of that nature. I can remember the first time walking into a a major event like that and seeing a room with 100, 150 tables in it. It's it's quite awe-inspiring if you've never seen it before. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. Um, so let's talk about the pro events a little bit. Um, 128 player fields this time? Correct. What was the the thought pattern? You guys did the invitationals last year, and then you kind of went a hundred, you know, hundred miles an hour in the opposite direction this year with with the, <laughs> the big fields. You know, it was largely due to feedback that we got from the folks that were on site. Uh, they like the larger open field events. They like to see more of the pro players, not just sixteen. Um, that was the primary reason. We, we want to give our members and our fans what they're asking for, and that's what they were asking for. Uh, another aspect of it was last year with the Invitationals, we did a round-robin format. And while I really like the round-robin format, lots of people didn't quite understand what was going on. There's not too many round-robins played in this country, and even fewer of them on the stream. So people in the bleachers or the VIP seats or people on the stream couldn't really grasp who was in what groups and what were the implications of the match they were watching and uh, who had to beat who in order for this guy to advance. They, Although we tried, we gave it a good effort to put things on our website and our commentators to explain things on the stream, it still wasn't all that clear to them because they had just they had been watching double elimination tournaments since the beginning of time. 
so that was another thing that we found a little challenging. Um, and really, those two things combined uh, led us to the decision that we really should go back to a larger field open event. And what's the turnout been like so far uh, with signups? Uh, about what we expected. It's uh, about half full, maybe a little more than half full right now uh, for both events. Online registration doesn't end until the 22nd. And we still accept on-site signups up to the night before each of those events start. Um, and like every good pool player, uh, most of them wait till the very last moment. Oh yeah. To register, so uh, we we do expect both to fill. Um, that's still our expectation. But what a monster field of players that have registered already. Uh, you, you've got the likes of you know Darren Appleton, Shane Van Boning, Mike Desheen. Alex Pagalion, uh, the list goes on and on and on. Extremely strong field. And by the way, our live stream this year, I think this is going to be the best production we at CSI have ever done. Uh, what do you guys have lined up as far as cameras and that? Well, we're going to have we're going to have four cameras, um, but we're, we've got three commentators so that we can rotate in and out so we don't burn a guy's voice out. <laughs> in eight hours. Um, we've got four guys running the equipment. We're going to have two camera operators for most of the events so that we can get the best angles possible. But really the difference is going to be uh, JP, Farm NTA, is on our crew again. Um, but he's ramp he's really ramping up his level of involvement and we're going to have lots of, uh, lots of nice video footage and clips and all kinds of really neat things that we haven't really done before. And he does excellent work, and we're real happy to have him on the crew. Well, I mean, I've done a lot of work with JP, and he does some amazing work. Um, as far as as the fields of the pro events, I'm assuming with both events being Moscone Cup point events that you've got every Moscone Cup hopeful from the USA in the field. You would certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, you know, it's the idea of these events being Moscone Cup point events has been covered more than well enough already. I don't want to get into a long conversation about it. Um, have you seen any, any response from the players as far as, you know, more of them coming out because it's, it's point events or, I mean, I'm sure that that some of the players are not happy about having to qualify for Moscone Cup on a seven-foot table, but have you really seen that much of a response? You know, that's a really good question, Mike. Um, I think there are a handful of players. I don't think it's a tremendous number, but I think it's a handful of players I guess the best way to say it is it's the handful of players that really think that they have a shot of earning enough points to be automatically selected for the USA team. It really matters to them. Um, for example, I think there were, I don't know, five to ten players that showed up at the U.S. Bar Table Championships in Reno that may not have otherwise come if that event was not also Moscone Cup points events. Do I think it's driving out players in droves 
Uh, no, because I, I think most players don't really think they have a shot at being at the top of the list at the end of the year. Um, but for some, it really does matter. And I'll give you one example. Scott Frost really cares about it. <laughs> and he's aiming for it. I mean, that's his, he'll tell you point blank, that is his goal this year. He's playing in all the Moscone Cup points events, and he really wants to make, it, make the team. Um, so for someone like Scott, and Scott's not the only one, but, the, but it really does matter to those guys. Oh, sure. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe that answered my question before I asked it. Um, I was wondering, take your CSI cap off for a second and put on your I'm a fan of professional pool cap. Mm-hmm. Do you really think that the changes in Moscone Cup uh, team member qualifications are going to change the look of the team that much this year? Yes. You think we're going to see, well, and, and, and certainly I don't want to get into picking players, but you think there's a chance that we may get a a Shane, Scott, Skyler Woodward, uh, I don't know, Johnny Archer, Rodney Morris team? Um, you know, I, I don't know if I want to speculate on who will make the team, but I think the five players, three players are going to come out of this system. The other two will be selected by Mark Wilson. And I think this year's team will be the first team in quite a while that earned it, that really, truly earned it. And I think it's going to be one of the best teams we fielded, we being USA, have fielded in in quite a long time. That's my opinion. That's not my opinion as a CSI general manager. That's my opinion as a pool fan. I've never been a fan of randomly selecting players because what you get invariably, not just in pool, but in anything, is you sometimes end up with the good old boy network, and you get politics injected into it at that point, and I'm not a big fan of that. I like a system where people earn their way into a position. Well, and the pool world is is very familiar with the good old boy network, so anything that goes away from that, uh, I'm behind. Um, you mentioned your role as CSI general manager, and I want to come back to that one, but I did have one more question about the pro events. Uh, actually, it's a two-part question. Uh, Kenny Schumann's running it this year, or, or them this year? Ken Schumann is one of our commentators. He's also going to serve as the MC for the event. He's one of our three commentators. Who else is, is in there with him? Uh, Jay Helford and Robert LeBlanc, also known as Cotton. Sounds like a good team. And and as far as the, you know, you were saying that you expect full fields for both of the pro events, you don't foresee any problems getting these events done in, in three days each? Oh, no. We've already got our schedule laid out. We're going to start with 40 tables in the beginning and quickly pare down as we, as we go into the later rounds, uh, pare down to 16 and 8 and 4, eventually just two in the Predator Arena. But it all works out. The finals is scheduled to be at 8 p.m. Pacific time on the final day. Well, that's it'll make it easier for uh, members of the media who will be there covering it. <laughs> I wonder who that might be. <laughs> um, I, I mentioned, you know, uh, just a second ago, you know, you, 
talking about CSI general manager and, and the thought just comes to mind, you know, talking about all of this stuff going on and, and you were talking about how you guys have to have to measure prices against the other national events and, and all that. It, the, the question came to mind, did you have any idea what you were in for when Mark Griffin called you and said, Ozzy, I got an idea for you? <laughs> Actually, it wasn't quite like that. Um, I've got a business background. I don't, I don't know how much people know about me. I don't really talk about it, but I have a bachelor's degree in business administration from Old Dominion University, and I went on to get my MBA from the College of William & Mary. And I've worked in different capacities with, uh, this will be funny, Newport News Shipbuilding, uh, designing nuclear-powered aircraft carriers. And then I went to work as a project manager for a large engineering firm at uh, NASA Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia. Um, but I've always been a pool fan and a pool nut. Um, I started the Action Pool Tour back around 2011. Uh, did really well on the East Coast. And then one day, Mark Griffin called me. Um, we had spoken before, just normal pool chit-chat, but he called and said, if you're ever in Vegas, uh, come on by and see me. We'd like to talk to you. Had no idea what it was about, um, but my wife and I took a vacation eventually out here, and we dropped by the office, and immediately it turned into a job interview. Um, did I realize what I was getting myself into? Uh, actually, it's been better than I ever anticipated. Uh, Mark Griffin is, I hope he's not around the room, I don't want him to hear this. <laughs> Mark Griffin is a terrific person. Uh, you know, we, I read all the things online, most good, some bad. Uh, I can't speak to anybody else's experiences, but uh, he has been one of the most pleasurable people to work for in my entire career, and I'm grateful to have this position. And I'm loving it. It doesn't feel like I'm going to work ever. Well, they say, you know, if you can have a job that that allows you to do what you love doing, that it's not really like a job. Yeah, and that's true. You know, I was telling my wife uh, just a couple of days ago, I said, you know, I was thinking about it. I've, I've taken one day off of work this year, and I didn't even realize that. At some point, I guess I'm going to have to take a little time off. Nah, why would you want to do that? <laughs> To stay married. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. You might have a point there. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'd like to shift gears a little bit, uh, move away from uh, your immediate plans and talk about some of the more long-term plans. I understand that you guys have a, uh, a ranking or a rating system that, that you've been working on. That's correct. And um, we have not made a big public announcement yet. So I'm going to refrain from going into any specific details. I'll just talk in general terms. But we do have an exclusive arrangement with Fargo Rate. Uh, it's, it's basically what that is, is the most sophisticated pool player rating system uh, that I have ever seen. Um, it takes the subjectivity out of it completely. It's 100% objective, it's results-based, mathematical, and it doesn't lie. And we didn't just do this on a whim. We've been talking to these guys for months and months and months. And we finally reached a conclusion that this was the best thing we have ever seen, so we moved on it. We'll be making a, a bigger, grander announcement in the near future with all the details. 
Um, and Fargo Rate will actually have a booth at the national championships for anybody to get further information on what it is and how it works. But it really is cool. And we're going to feature it in, in a small way uh, at the national championships on our live stream. For most of our matches, people will look at the scoreboard, and what they're used to seeing is a player's name and a score, and maybe what the event is. Um, this year, they're going to see something a little extra. They're going to see percentages under each player's name. And what that means is the percentage chance that each player is going to win the match. And that's based off of their Fargo rating. That percentage will change after every rack, right? Because uh, if Shane and Mike DeShane are playing their, the Tiger Challenge, um, maybe in the beginning, I'm just making up numbers, but maybe Shane's chances of winning, because he likely has a higher Fargo rating, maybe his chances of winning a race to 21 is 65%. If he wins the first rack, now he has to go to 20, Mike DeShane has to go to 21. His chances of winning the match are going to increase. And people will see that on the screen at all times after every rack. And I'm sure that being able to see that statistic or that percentage chance of, of winning the match is a part of the answer to this next question, but... I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. A rating system, why? Uh, while I think it's a wonderful idea, why? Well, um, who's the third best player in this country, Mike? Uh, that's a good question. Who's the tenth best player in the world? Okay. You're on the Arizona Rating Committee, correct? Yes, I am. How much time do you guys spend meeting and debating player ratings? Too much. How much friction does it cause? A lot. How, many, how much politics get injected into that? Hopefully not nearly as much as there was in the past. <laughs> Have you ever had pool room owners uh, sort of lobby your rating committee to not raise a player's rating because then he or she might not be able to play in their weekly Saturday tournament? While I've never had it happen, I've always thought that it could happen in the background, and just because you probably don't know to ask the question, yes, I have had a player call and curse me out about getting raised. Oh, yeah. These, these things are just some of the problems that exist in our little niche sport because we don't have a universally accepted player rating system. Those are just a few examples. Uh, I could go on and on and on, but people would probably fall asleep. But the bottom line is we sincerely believe that one of the things, this is not the whole problem, but one of the things that will really help our sport is to have an accurate, fair, dependable player rating system that's universally accepted from the guy that first picks up the cue to the seasoned professional, and that everybody's rated on the same scale. What we have now is largely a system of committees. So you have your Arizona committee. We have a Las Vegas committee here in this town. Even if the scale is similar, you guys, what do you do, Mike? You go from what's 
4 to 11 or something? Uh, it's basically 4 to 12. Originally it was 4 to 10, and then we got, when players became that strong, we had to add ratings uh, to make it work for them. Right. So you do a 4 to 12 system. Let's suppose that Las Vegas, it, it isn't this way, it's usually vastly different, but let's suppose that Las Vegas does a 4 to 12 system as well. You guys meet every month, let's say, and you vote on whether to raise a guy from an 8 to a 9. Right. You vote that he gets raised. So he's now a 9 in Arizona. How does your 9 in Arizona compare to a 9 in Las Vegas? Chances are not very well. Right. Um, Arizona players could be stronger than Las Vegas players. So a 9 here does not equal a 9 there. And that causes problems when you have a large tournament, like what we do, um, in just a few days. How do you put? How do you know if a player belongs in the open division, or the advanced division, or the master division? Well, you have to make up some criteria, and that criteria can often lead to some problems. But if we had a universally accepted rating system, where you didn't have those regional differences in skill level, how wonderful would that be? So if you're a if you're a 550 Fargo rating in Chicago and a 550 Fargo rating in San Francisco you're pretty much exactly the same skill level. There's no regional variance. And that's what this system does and it's it works unbelievably well. And and not wanting to get into the nuts and bolts of the system but any results-based system is based on data, and that has always been where the problem lies. Um, how do you go about gathering that much data? Um, good question. We are going to be releasing a, a brand-new state-of-the-art league management software system uh, that will be available to all of our BCA Pool League and USA Pool League members. We also have our own tournament management software system called CTS that up to this point has just been for our use, running our tournaments. But our plan is to make that available, a scaled-down version of it, available to anyone that wants to run any kind of tournament anywhere. And the data will automatically flow into the Fargo rate system. And what do you have as far as data in the system now? Boy, I don't have those numbers, but the last time I asked that very question myself, I might be wrong here, uh, so don't don't barbecue me if I get it wrong, but there are a few hundred thousand games in the system already. These guys have been collecting data for years, and about 30,000 players. And while I certainly understand the answer to this is not real soon, uh, but when do you anticipate rolling this system out? Um, shortly after the BCA Pool League and USA Pool League National Championships, we'll be coming out with a, an announcement. We're quietly working in the background on the league management system, along with scoring apps for smartphones and tablets, and it'll be Android-based, uh, Apple devices. Uh, we want to make it easy. And we want to make it easy for the data to get into the system and the people to use it. 
and we just want to give our members and everybody the best experience possible. Well, you know, it sounds like a pretty a pretty major uh, project, and going back to when we were briefly talking about Mark Griffin, I mean, there's you cannot say in any way that Mark does not go all in on on ideas and and projects that he thinks are, could be valuable for the pool world. Uh, that's true. In fact, we make fun of him on occasion for going all in too much at times. Um, but but Mark is passionate about what he does, and he wants to see the sport grow and prosper. And um, when he sees a good idea, he doesn't shy away from it. And uh, he and I were, were both on board with this one because it really is fantastic. Well, as a, as a data nerd, uh, I'm, I'm extremely interested in the system when it rolls out. Um, well, Ozzy, I don't want to take any more of your time. I know you're extremely busy and going to get even busier here in the next couple of days. Um, I appreciate you taking the time out to talk with us for a little bit today. You're welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me on. And I look forward to getting out there towards uh, towards the midpoint of your event and, and checking it all out. And uh, we'll, of course, have coverage on, on AZ Billiards of everything going on out there. Good luck with the event. Hope everything goes together well. And uh, we will talk to you down the road. Thanks, Mike. We'll see you soon. All right. That's it for this week, everybody. Thanks for listening to American Billiard Radio. I'm Mike Howerton. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.